Welcome to the Octane Athletics Fuel Your Fire podcast brought to you by Gatorade Endurance and the DFW Tri Club. Go to dfwtriclub.com and dfwtriclub.com slash calendar to check out one of 1,000 coached workouts we have every year. That's dfwtriclub.com. Hey everybody, it's Coach Dave here. I wanted to take a minute to thank the folks at Gatorade. Uh, as you guys know, they're a sponsor of ours. I'm also uh, lucky enough to be on the endurance team. And let's take a minute to understand a little bit more about what Gatorade Endurance Formula is because uh, it's not your typical gas station or grocery store Gatorade. Gatorade Endurance is specifically formulated for us, runners, triathletes, cyclists. It's a special blend that has increased levels of sodium, twice the sodium actually, and three times the potassium is the stuff that you'll find in the gas station. So it is special. It is made directly for us. Uh, it's also pretty important for you guys to try out in your training because it's also on course at about 400 of the most popular events out there for us racers. Uh, events like Boston Marathon, uh, the New York City Marathon, the Chicago Marathon, the Dallas Marathon, the Rock and Roll Series events, uh, as well as Ironman. So um, as of 2015, it'll be the, the hydration sponsor available on course at um, all of the United States uh, Ironman events, 70.3 and full distance Ironmans. So you definitely want to get your hands on the stuff. It's really, really good. I've got athletes that I work with that also use it, and, and most of them enjoy it very much. So go to the website, octane-athletics.com. There's an Amazon link in the upper right corner of the page. That'll take you to Amazon where you can get uh, your Gatorade Endurance Formula. It is Prime eligible, so if you are an Amazon Prime member, that shipping for you would be free. Uh, It's also available at some of your local uh, endurance running stores, triathlon stores, whatnot. So um, head on into those places and uh, see if they carry it. If they don't, um, see if they will carry it. And uh, give it a shot. I think it's great stuff. And again, it's on course at all those events. So it makes a lot of sense for you guys to be working with it in your training to make sure that it's something that will work with your system. So uh, go out and try Gator Endurance. All right, I'm here with Eve Pearson. And you've heard me talk about Eve on the podcast before. So I'm sitting with Eve. I, I just had my appointment with Eve because I'm done Ironmanning for a while. And it's time to get serious about getting in shape. And Eve's the person that I come to. I've talked about Eve on the podcast before. Um, she's a, my sports dietitian. I also send my athletes to Eve. She, I know she's met with at least one or two of them, uh, one of which Andre is doing really, really well on with the guidance that, that Eve uh, gives us. So Eve, why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, thanks Dave for having me on. And just a little bit about me from behind the scenes is obviously sports dietitian, went to school for nutrition and really just love athletes and specialized in sports nutrition. So I really spend my practice hours uh, with different types of athletes. Um, it could be a triathlete, but also a lot of you know uh, youth sports and just recreational athletes, collegiate athletes. Um, I even have a, a almost 70 year old athlete right now that plays pickleball in Aqua Devada classes. So what is it's, pickleball? It's um it's interesting. They use a racket like a racquetball, and they use like a wiffle ball as their ball. So it's kind of a tennis slash racquetball sport. Okay. I'm going to have to Google this. <laughs> yeah, I had to Google it. I'm actually going to yeah. YouTube it because okay. you got to see it. <laughs> yeah, I had to I had to do that. But she's 
She's doing great um, just implementing sports nutrition, believe it or not, in her life. So um, very wide array of clients. And then also from an athletic background, I um, obviously was a, a really lifelong athlete. And after cheering for 10 years of my life, I decided, okay, what am I going to do as an adult? And uh, signed up for, you know, triathlon. I was like, oh, you know, I'll do this fun sport over here. Um, that was a very long time ago and had fun, did Ironman, uh, switched gears a little bit, qualified for Boston twice, uh, then switched gears again and started doing some ultra trail running and then switched gears again. And now we are at the present and I'm currently mountain bike racing. So just a little bit of everything. I like to get to know what the sport is like that I'm dealing with, even though I'm obviously not going to go play football or, yeah. um, you know, things like that. I should hope not. He's yeah. about five <laughs> yeah. foot nothing and weighs like a hundred pounds yeah. tops. So not going to go Football do that. wouldn't be a good option for you. <laughs> but definitely like to learn about what my clients are going through and just to try to be able to help them out. I um, mean, I learn from it. You know, I recommend things. And then I realized in doing the sport that, oh, that's probably not the best way to recommend that because they're not really going to know how much fluid they're taking in if they're using a Camelback or right. something like that. Right. Yeah. Well, that's good. Okay. Well, as you as you can tell, Eve's, Eve's out there doing it every day. So I've wanted to record with you for a while, but since I have her and the summer's here, um, a very popular topic of conversation um, for the folks that listen is is nutrition and hydration and the heat. So uh, we've given them a few bits and pieces, but I think it'd be really good for you to kind of explain. Um, let's start with nutrition first. Okay. Um, and let's go all the way back to when they first met with you. I just come off Canada, DNF with nutrition problems. We broke that down. Right. Talk a little bit about the kind of nutrition that would work well in the heat versus the stuff that you may want to avoid. Just general heat, okay. heat nutrition and fueling options for okay. folks. I actually would find most of the time that our heat related problems uh, have to do with hydration first, yeah, primarily. So, um, as far as what the what the athlete is going to consume during the race from a calorie standpoint. I may or may not change that, but what really I look at first is what hydration source are we going to use as their sweat rate starts to increase, and then how much sodium are we going to use to help offset that. So what ends up happening is sometimes we end up with a product over here that has some calories in it, so I have to get rid of some of the calories that they were taking in through maybe a, a solid food product or another liquid type product. Right. So it's not necessarily, um, you know, changing it all around, but it may be kind of supplementing a little bit and just knowing that, you know, if I'm going to consume an electrolyte replacement drink that does have calories in it, that I've got to get rid of some calories somewhere because then I'm going to end up consuming too many calories. Right. And the body just won't be able to exactly. take that much and then do anything with it. Right. Exactly. It's going to give it back to you if, it, if you yeah. give it too much. <laughs> yes. Which is that what happened to me. <clears throat> in many different ways. I mean, we preach... Test nutrition, test nutrition, test nutrition. Yeah. Um, but I had, do you find that fiber is a problem for, for some people in the heat? Like for oh. example, if they're doing 
bonk breakers or lar bars or something and it's hot out, does that affect them differently than if they were doing a goo or I don't find that that's usually the case. No. I think that sometimes fiber is, if fiber is an issue for somebody, it's always an issue for them. Okay. And um, I think that a lot of times though, the body just really starts to break down in the heat. Heart rate gets all out of whack. There's a lot of things going on that, um, you, you know, even maybe blood pressure. There's, there's some regulators that really get out of whack when somebody's overheated or training in the heat. They're not used to that. So sure, they may not tolerate uh, solid food as well because right. of, of that. It's like a, it's competing. You know, our body wants to maintain homeostasis. And if we throw in the heat component and all these other physiological processes get off, then food could be the last thing our body wants to break down. So you talked a second ago about hydration being the first thing you look at. Yeah. And you talked about sweat rate. Now the you know, there's lots of fancy ways for people to get at their sweat rate, but would you recommend the way before track the liquid you're taking during yeah. exercise and the way after and figure out what the deficiency is? Right. And then take more in. How do you solve for that? Okay, so I want to add to that sweat test is you do want to remove your clothes when you're weighing because especially people who sweat a lot, like it'll show up yeah. in the scale, right? So. Try to weigh nude before, weigh nude after. And really, if and it must be done outside. I think a lot of people try to do sweat tests indoors and it's just too regulated. So you really gotta get outside and do it. If you're a triathlete, you need to do it on the bike and the run because your sweat rate sometimes is, well, most of the time is higher on the run than the bike. So you just need to look at all that and really start assessing. now. You can get real specific, and, and as you know, because you're a heavy sweater, yeah. um, there is going to be a time where some people are going to just sweat more than they're able to consume. And so the goal is really a couple things. It's one, to minimize uh, weight loss during exercise. It's not, you know, sometimes it's not going to be to try to maintain because it's impossible. Right. But um, for people who just have like a low to moderate sweat rate, then typically in a really long distance race, I'm gonna try to maintain their weight as much as possible on the bike portion and know that they're gonna get a little deficient on the run portion because their sweat rate goes up on the run and they're not able to consume as much fluid on the run. Um, I find that probably the maximum amount of fluid that I can get somebody to literally like physically take in um, is somewhere around 45 ounces at the most per hour. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot. It's a lot. But um, every once in a while, I have somebody that can figure this out, you know, and, and actually get that in. And these are people that are sweating out 90 ounces an hour. Right. So they're not even getting half. You know, they're still losing half a pound every um or more you know what is that actually they're probably losing still like two or three pounds but what the body does is it will end up catching up and over the course of time they will start losing less weight now whether that's good or not is still you know kind of iffy but it's really just what works the best for that athlete and like you said practice 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 I think I you know we were just talking I got to hear Chris Lee speak at, at this uh summit that I went to recently and he said that he said athletes don't practice enough in training you know what they're going to do on race day and then they expect their body to just you know tolerate right, anything they put in right yeah 
So we just have to practice that and, and really have a fluid plan. Some people may have a fluid plan or they may not have one and they may just wing it. Um, I really believe strongly in anything over two and a half hours on the bike um, or two hours on the run, you have to be diligent about what you're going to do on race day because it's all about training your gut, um, training your mind, training your habits to really just do this stuff on a regular basis. Right. Will, will salt, it, when I talk about salt, I don't mean supplemental salt, so during the race. Right. That's a different thing than what I'm actually bringing right. up now. If we, going into a race, consume a higher level of salt, will that in any way help our hydration on race day? For example, will that help us retain some water so when we go on a race day, we're a little less likely to dehydrate or we won't dehydrate as fast? Will that help or is that? Yeah, I, I have done that with some people and it's been very effective. It's kind of a preload. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to throw this out there too that a lot of times you also have to look at that person's overall diet, okay? Because if a person eats out every single meal, you know, so about yeah, just, just a little <laughs> bit. So let's say we have a plan that we put together for somebody that eats away from home like three times a day, you know, or right. at least two times a day. Well, their salt content in their diet is already well uh, over 3,000, you right. know, per day milligrams. So what I find is that loading more salt before a, a smaller, shorter race, not a big deal, because they're already salt loaded. Mm -hmm. um, now, again, in your defense, the good thing about you is that um, because you are a heavy sweater, uh, even if you do eat out two or three times a day, and so let's say your salt is over 3,000, well, you're sweating that out you right. know, in just an hour of exercise. So it's um, for you, it's a give and take, but for other people, that may not be the case. So it's not very safe to be eating out all the time like that from a sodium perspective. But yeah, I'm, I have used salt loads before. Um, again, it's, it, I typically use it on my heavy sweaters and um, they may salt their food more. They may take a product that has a little bit higher sodium. Drink it, drink an extra noon or something. Yeah. Just some kind of supplementation yeah. above and beyond. But, but to your point, you don't, it's not a one size fits all. You'll look at what that person eats on a normal basis yeah. and then figure and out. And then how figure much it out. Eat. Yeah. Because I mean, Let's face it, we have a lot of recreational athletes today that have high blood pressure and they're on blood pressure meds yeah. or high cholesterol meds and you have to be really careful. That's why we have to take into account somebody's total lifestyle before we start throwing out more sugar, more salt, more whatever, you know? Right. Yeah. I got to switch gears on you. Okay. Something has come up lately. had a couple of athletes asking me about this because they're reading things out there. Sure. Around fat adaption. Okay. Um, so you have people, ultra runners especially, for some reason, just love the idea of being extraordinarily fat adapted. Okay. I know from coming here, you know, you believe in the carbohydrate. Right. Know, so, but I have to ask you, when it comes to... There's there's all sorts of information out there about this, but now you're seeing a lot of people going and doing um, fasted workouts, workouts without any any carbohydrate prior to the workout. At what point of duration of that workout does that start to break down? 
Like, can you do that? In, I think you, if you do that in an hour, right. for an hour, and you're staying in your aerobic right. zone, yeah, that's the point. Right. But is, is there a point of no return there, a point of diminishing returns on fat adaption and not, and not using carbohydrate at all? Yeah, so let me just back up a little bit on that question yeah, and sure. kind of tell you experience-wise where I'm at on that whole topic. I think that will help kind of set this up. But I love that we have a whole body of, of people out there that are trying to figure this out better and really practice it and, and research it better. But the truth is we're just not there yet. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of unknown. And, you know, I am certainly not a closed-minded person in any stretch of the imagination. So I'm not this like my way is the only way. And, you know, I don't get caught up in all that. So what happened is when fat adaption, because by the way, this has been out for a long time. This is not just the new, right. I mean, it's a fad right now because it's gotten a lot more popular, especially in the endurance world, but this has been around forever. Well, you got ketosis is the word. Right. The new, the keto yeah, diet. Keto yeah. Diet. But so basically I have uh, attempted this with several, um, what I would consider elite athletes. These are people that are doing nine. 930 Ironman, you know, so it's not, they're not just out there to finish. They're literally racing. They're there for performance. Yeah. And I've done it with uh, ultra, you know, runners. Um, right now I've got a guy, I've got him on, on this kind of diet and we're, we're experimenting and he's doing Ironman Chattanooga. And so we, what I, what I have found literally in practice, this is like real practice. Again, it's anecdotal practice, but, um, my clients don't perform better on it. So if they choose to eat that way because they like to eat that way, fine, but they don't necessarily get better performance out of it. So if I have a client that really craves carbs and want carbs and, and tends to fall off the wagon because maybe they're trying to do this you know, keto diet or whatever and they keep falling off the wagon, then I'll just tell them, well, listen, I, I haven't found a difference you know, in the performance side of it. Right. So then you, know, you really don't have to do this. Okay, so back to answer your question. In a, in a, in a fasted state, if you enter, you know, if you start exercising, you know, it's not uncommon for us to do that with somebody trying to lose body fat, by the way. So if I have somebody that's going to go out and do an hour workout in the morning and they're trying to lose fat, sure, I may let them just go out there and not worry about eating before the workout. And that's what we're going to do with me, right? Maybe right, we'll exactly. We just did that. Yes. And... Yeah, we're going to do branch chain aminos and let you work out um, fasted and then we'll put a recovery meal afterwards, make sure there's protein there. So you're not losing lean body mass as you're losing fat and we're good to go. But if I do have somebody that comes into me and they have a performance related goal, I'm going to put some source of carbohydrate in before their workout and it works, it works well. It just does the job. As far as at which point does this become a problem? You know, I mean, you've probably, you know that we have about 2,000 calories-ish worth of carbohydrates stored in our bodies at any given point. 
the issue there is that some of us are better carb burners and some of us are better fat burners, right? So if you right. look at VO2 max tests and stuff like that, you're going to see some varying degrees of carbohydrate burn. So sure, I mean, 2,000 calories worth of carb will last you quite a while, you know? Especially I mean, if your intensity is low. Yeah. If your I intensity mean, is high, you're going to burn through that faster, right? Yeah. So again, I'm not, I'm not big on recommending this to people because I believe in practice what you're going to do on race day, which you're not going to wait till three hours into a bike ride to start eating on race day. Right. So I tend to try to get um, my clients to practice, but you could make it two to three hours, sure, without consuming anything. What's that going to do for you from a performance standpoint? Probably nothing. Um, I actually find that those people tend to kind of teeter off on their pace at the end and they start kind of, especially in the summer, kind of that lightheadedness, kind of dizziness, um, a little bit probably of, uh, you know, hypoglycemia and, you know, they're on that, on that, uh, end of the spectrum. So, um, and I'll point out one other thing, you know, for those of you that are a little bit unsure on this you know keto or paleo type eating versus our kind of normal like fuel with carbs recover with carbs and protein that's kind of what we've done forever um you know if you really kind of look at research and look into the science behind it and this will i think hit home for most people is if you look at the vo2 maxes of people that are fat adapting they're working harder during exercise than somebody who is eating carbohydrate. Hmm. So in the end, you may want to consider that, you know, if you have no GI distress, um, which can be figured out by the way from a carbohydrate product, but I won't go down that, that tunnel. But if you don't have GI distress and you, you have an iron stomach and you know, you don't have those issues, then, probably the better way especially if you're trying to become a better athlete and get faster and get a pr is to do the traditional you know eat carbs during a um a race and you know recover with right. carbs and protein like we we would normally do right so practice it in training mm -hmm. what you're gonna do on race day basically yeah, yeah. okay last question for you because i think you have to go yeah i have this issue and i have an athlete now who's having this issue Explain to the folks out there how it's possible to gain weight working out 15 or more hours a week okay. during Ironman training or, you know, doing Boston Marathon training or right. something like that. What happens that causes that? So they're eating the wrong food at the wrong times. That's the best way to answer that question. I think that most people, especially adult athletes, are pretty bad about this, is they go into like a weight loss goal thinking, well, I'm just gonna not eat anything during my workouts because my watch says I'm burning 2,000 calories or 1,500 or even 800, and I'm just gonna let my calories burn. But then the problem is, um, they end up making up for those calories some other time of the day when they really shouldn't be eating them. Mm -hmm. Whether, you know, so basically I guess you, our bodies are really good at, let's say we're going to, I mean, think about exercise for just a minute, not from a training perspective, but what does exercise do for us? Um, for, for, we'll call them normal people that are just like yeah. normal in the, right. you know, gym working out. Right. Like, what does it so do? The person that's going to go in there yeah. and go on the elliptical. Exactly. What does it do for them? Think about that. 
You tell me. It burns calories. And? Gets the heart rate up. And? Think about other aspects of our life. Oh, releases stress. There you go. Yeah. So hormones, it affects hormones. It really affects our appetite hormones. So for somebody that is trying to get in the gym and be healthy and live a healthy lifestyle, it does a really good job of really kicking in the endorphins and making that person feel good and want to eat better for the rest of the day and all that. Well, the problem with endurance training is we may listen to that a little too well, not fuel before, go in fasted, not recover afterwards, because let's face it, most of our endurance athletes, they're getting up and swimming at five in the morning, they skip their recovery, they get to work at eight or nine, and then they're finally eating breakfast. Well, guess what? That opportunity for recovery and muscle build and everything, it's gone. The window's gone. That window's 30 to 45 yeah. minutes. And so, and so then they don't do it. And then, you know, and it's like a frenzy the rest of the day. You know, they're eating from 5 o'clock when they get home or 6 o'clock all the way through the night. So it's basically just that really bad timing and and choices of foods. Um, And if we don't eat the food at the right time, we're going to crave carbs. That's just what's going to happen. You know, so we're eating boxes of crackers and Oreos and who knows what, you know, but bowls of cereal. Guilty. It's, yeah. On all fronts. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I see it all. Which, so. which goes to the fact of a calorie in this case is not a calorie. So you um, can't. It's not, but it'd be better if those carbs were eaten around the workout. You so know what I mean? If, even if I'm going for four Oreos, eat them after the workout. Yes, I would totally go for that. Would rather do that yes. than not eat anything. Else. Yeah, but eat the Oreos. Because at least I'm getting glycogen in. Yes. I might not be getting your yeah. protein, but I'm at least restoring glycogen. But get the Oreos in without all the other carbs that may go in. You know, it's like right. a replacement factor there, especially when you're trying to lose weight. It's like, sure, you have a certain amount of carbs you can have. And there are better quality carbs and worse quality, but the truth is, after a workout, as long as you get them in, then that would be the time for you to eat the, you know, white bread or the. And by the way, Oreo. Eve isn't telling us to go. He's not. She's not I'm giving not. a blind prescription for a row yeah. of Oreo cookies, <laughs> yeah. no matter how hard the workout. But I can think of a few people that would probably like that. Yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> by the way, um, as long as I can have the milk with them, I'm good. Yeah. All right. Um, the other point on this is, you, and when we talked about it, you, I, you and I about me, it was about we create too big of a calorie deficiency. Yes. Right. So your body's gonna react it's gonna to shut that. down. It's yeah. It's gonna shut it down. So that's the other thing that is pretty common, right? Yeah, but I think it's really kind of hard to say what's really happening there because and and this is just the honest truth is i am not with that person all the time so i'm only hearing what they're telling me they're doing so i'd like to believe that they're doing what i'm saying right Mm -hmm. and that the weight is not coming off so what we see is kind of this there's a deficit and of, of calories and then there's a burn and then they're not losing they're kind of storing or their body is hormonally messed up I think we kind of have a long way to go there just because there's that factor of, well, is that person binge eating at night and they're not admitting that to me? Because they could be, Mm -hmm. you know? And then there's a whole 
Um, I've had several clients that are doing the sleep eating. They're literally like in the middle of the night getting up and eating food without really kind of know. It's like sleepwalking. So there's been a few um, of that that I'm seeing. And you just have to kind of take that with a grain of salt because sometimes you want to believe I'm following this really well. But, you know, I think people don't realize how a weekend of bad eating can undo a whole week of good eating, you know? So they, you know, they may think, oh, well, I rode three hours on the weekend, so I can just do whatever I want. But they can be great Monday through Friday, and then the weekend blows it out of the water. Yeah. So I think you have to kind of look at both sides. I, I want to believe that there's something going on with that deficit, but I'm still... I'm still not 100% that's what's going on. Just trying you know? to pin that down. Yeah. Okay. We need to go before okay, we do. How, does, how do people get a hold of you? Oh, they will call the office at 214-739-2223. That's the best of, way. The name of your firm is? It's NutriWorks. We are NutriWorks, and we've got offices in Dallas, Fort Worth, Keller, and Austin. So look forward to seeing some of you. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Eve. Appreciate it. Talk to you guys very soon. Have a good day today, tomorrow, and the next day.